Today's scripture reading is from Exodus chapter 1, verses 8 to 22, using the New Revised Standard Version. Now a new king arose in Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, Look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase, and in the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore they sat taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built supply cities, Pithom and Ramses, for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread, so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. The Egyptians became ruthless in imposing tasks on the Israelites, and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and every kind of field labor. They were ruthless in all the tasks that they imposed on them. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Sifra and the other Pua, When you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on their birth stool, if it is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, she shall live. But the midwives feared God. They did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them but they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? The midwives said to the Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then the Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every boy that is born to the Hebrews you shall throw into the Nile, but you shall let every girl live. This is the word of God. Well, good morning, and thank you to Weston Church and Pastor Allen for this opportunity that uh, I've been provided to share again with you good folks on this Sunday morning. Uh, also, thanks to the great team that uh, provide us with this uh, worship service and the musicians that uh, lead us in worship each Sunday virtually, we greatly appreciate it. I want to add, too, I, I'm really enjoying being part of Hello Weston and joining that group at uh, 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning. This continues to be incredible times. The week that uh, I'm taping this, the uh, our friends in the United States has received a new president. Our own governor general has resigned, and there's been a bit of a hiccup in the uh, vaccine distribution. And so we continue on soldiering on in the middle of COVID, and I know that some of us it is affecting uh, in a much more severe fashion than others. Not too long ago, it seems like a long time ago, but it was Christmas. And during Advent, I was uh, following a very simple Advent reading. And uh, during that time, it led me to the Exodus 1 passage that was read for us this morning. And for some reason, I was just riveted with this story. And, uh, you know, the brief background to the story is, you know, that in the book of Genesis, God, God established a... Uh, an agreement, a uh, covenant with Abraham. And in that uh, covenant, he said he was going to establish a people. And from that, there were uh, the, his children, Jacob and 
Isaac, and out of uh, Jacob, Joseph was a son, and Joseph was in a very dysfunctional, confused family, and it was so bad that they, his brother, his own brother sold him off into slavery, and he ended up in slavery in Egypt. But somehow, through the grace and the presence of our God, and his, and his faithfulness to that family and to his covenant, Joseph rose from being a slave to being a very prominent person within a household to all the way up where God gave him a vision telling him that in the next 14 years there was going to be seven great years for farming and there was going to be seven devastating years of famine. And he sh shared that and he rose up to being the prime minister of Egypt, controlling the collection and the distribution of food so that he solidified his place and also Pharaoh's place in control over that largest and most powerful country in the world at that time. And Joseph brought with him about 70 people and uh, his family made up about 70 and they became incredibly prolific and uh, they, they were able to populate the whole, uh, become a large part of the population of Egypt as well as spread throughout all of Egypt. And this text tells us that a king arose that didn't know this history and that a king arose that didn't know Joseph. But what he did know was there was a large population of people in his country that were different. They worshiped different, they ate different food, they danced different, they listened to different music, and whatever it was, they were very different than the Egyptian people, and he became afraid of them. And then he raised an issue. He goes, where would their loyalty ride if there was a war, would they fight for us or would they fight for our enemy? And this fear of them, the fear of the different, created just in a very few verses an absolutely terrible situation where these people's lives, the descendants of Joseph's lives, were devastated. The verses, just in verse 11 says, so they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor, they, and, and they worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with hard labor, with bricks and mortar. In all their hard labor, the Egyptians used them ruthlessly. It's a terrible, terrible description. Can you imagine that you were living at that time and your life was somewhat normal, possibly prosperous, a sense of peace, and then all of a sudden, you were enslaved. The neighbors that you lived with enslaved you. The people that you thought you did business with and were your friends, they put you were now working for them. Your freedoms and your rights were taken uh, away from you. And it's at, at this point that the, the Bible also says that the people in the midst of all of this, they continue to grow in population. So the, the Bible says the Egyptians dreaded them. And the king the, then came up with a more brutal, evil plan. And that was infanticide. And he called these midwives together and he said to them, when the children of Israel, these, these, these descendants of Joseph, when they, the, the women give birth, kill the male babies. And here's the verse that jumped out at me 
when uh, I, was, I was doing my Advent reading. The, the first part it does say, when you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them in their delivery stool, if it's a boy, kill him, but if it's a girl, let her live. And that was given to two women. Their names are Shifra and Puah. And this is what the Bible says about them. The midwives, Shifra and Pura, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Now, I don't know if you can put yourself into that situation. Possibly, if you did what the king asked you to do, this horrible thing, would your life be a little bit better? Would he give you a little more bread? Would your, your burden of your family be lightened? But they feared God. And what it means, they had an incredible reverence, an awe of God, and a strong commitment to God. So as they are looking into the eyes of the king, they have this great vision of Yahweh who revealed himself to Abraham. And they have this vision, and that vision gives them freedom. That gives them freedom to do what is right. It says they feared God, and they let these boys live. Now, can you imagine being a woman in childbirth? And knowing that this is what the edict of the king has been, that if your baby is a male, he's to be killed. And yet these two midwives are so brave, they stand up and they, to, to the king and they let them live. Can you imagine the stories that were told years and years and generations after as men would say, do you know why I'm here today? And they'd point to their sons and do you know why you're here today? Because of two women, Shifra and Pua, because they stood up to the king and, and, and the king held them to account. The king held them to account and brought them in and said, why is it that these uh, Hebrew ba male babies continue to live? And they looked the king in the eye and they spoke right in a powerful way to the king. And they said, well, these e Hebrew women, they're very vigorous. They end up giving birth before we can get there. And so they were able to fulfill what they desired to do and, and allow and bring life to to this horrible situation, a glimmer of hope in the midst of the turmoil, in the midst of the slavery that they were experienced, these two women stood up to the king and were able to speak life into it. And they allowed, if you think about the role that they played in where we are as Weston Baptist Church, we are here, we are today followers of Jesus Christ, and these two women stayed faithful to the Lord, they obeyed him, they had this vision of freedom so that the descendants of Joseph, one of the descendants of Joseph's younger, youngest brother, Benjamin, would go on and become King David, the hero of Israel. And one of King David's um, descendants by the name of Joseph would take his wife Mary to Bethlehem, and Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, would be born, and we follow him today. They were historic and very important part of the redemptive history that we experience 
all because in the midst of what was turmoil and fear and, and a destructive situation, they were able to see this vision of Almighty God and to, re, and to, and to recognize that God is greater than the king. What's interesting is we don't know the king's name. But you can go to a museum in Brooklyn, New York, and there on a piece of papyrus from the ancient Egypt is written these two names of these women, Shifra and Pua, as heroes of their people. And verse 20 reminds us, and it says, God was kind to these women and gave them their own families. And in the midst of what we are experiencing now, and some of your lives may be in very difficult situation, can we have this vision of God and can we still know of the kindness of God? A number of years ago, as some of, some of you will know, I did chapels in, in the hockey world. And I heard a, a friend of mine uh, who is a chaplain for the Peterborough Peets, he had this great image, that a chapel that he did where he asked his team, are you a thermometer or are you a thermostat? And uh, he developed this where it was, you know, you'll know what's going on in life if you're a thermometer. And you'll get a read of situations. You'll know what, how a team is doing or how your family's doing. But a thermostat changes things. It turns up the temperature. It makes things better. It ma makes things um, more uh, comfortable, so to speak. And I, you know, I, I thought, that's a great one. And I developed that chapel myself, and I even developed it into a bit of a talk uh, that I gave at men's breakfast and other, other places like that, of course, basing it upon Jesus Christ. Well, this past week, because um, the month of January was Martin Luther King Day in the, in the United States, I was reading, you know, a num some of his sermons were posted, some of his, his speeches were posted, and I came across this, and I, I know I had read this before because I had read the book called Letters from a Birmingham Jail, but I had no memory of this, and much to my surprise, this is what I, I read. This is a letter from the Birmingham Jail written in 1963 by Martin Luther King Jr. There was a time when the church was very powerful. It was during that period that the early Christians rejoiced when they were deemed worthy to suffer for what they believed in. In those days, the church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of popular opinion. It was a thermostat that transformed the mores of a society. Wherever the early Christians entered a town, the power structure got disturbed and immediately sought to convict them for being disturbers of the peace and outside agitated. But they went on with the conviction that they were a colony of heaven and had to obey God rather than men. They were small in number, but big in commitment. They were too God intoxicated to be astronomically intimidated. They brought an end to such ancient evils as infanticide and gladiatorial contest. And so this idea that I thought originated in Peterborough was actually taken from a masterful um, letter uh, written by Dr. Martin Luther King. And these women 
because of their faith, because of their trust, because of the vision that they had for God, were able not to look at the situation and describe it, but they were able to change it. They were God-intoxicated. So how do we develop that freedom? How do we bring this into our own lives so that our neighborhoods, our society, our families, our job uh, are changed by it? Well, you know, since Advent, I've been slowly reading the book of the Revelation, and I have not tried to interpret it or even explain it or anything. I'm just letting it wash over me in wonder. But in Revelation 17, I read this. Simply, they will wage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will triumph over them because he is the Lord of lords and King of kings. And with him will be his called, his chosen, his faithful followers. I am not a courageous person. And, 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 and I don't, this is not a sermon where I'm going to tell you to go out in the world and be more courageous and, and screw up more courage into yourself. This is about seeing what these women saw of about hearing what these women heard, about knowing that God is indeed the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, and he has come and met us. He is with us. And meet God in prayer. Meet God in his word. And I know some of you are out there, you're homeschooling your kids, and you're rolling your eyes right now at me, going, we have no time for that. But take time in the word and and you know i grew up in a tradition where we thought the the word was a an instruction book of life you meet god in the word god meets you in the word it's alive it transforms it softens our heart it speaks to our spirits and in the midst of the busyness of of what you're trying to do with your own children at home or the loneliness whatever it is speak to god and but also hear him be people of the word but also see God in this world now, that he is in people, that God is at work. There's incredible things happening as his grace is um, working within his community. If I, I'm following uh, along with many of you the story of what this church is involved in and how the Lord is leading this church to have an impact in this community and the opportunities that are there and the great leadership within this church that is are leading us in, in that fashion. And it's exciting and we're seeing God's hand at work that's going beyond anything that we can think or imagine or dream up on our own but also speak to God's people. Speak these things to one another. We need shifras and puas in, in our lives in, that, that, that have that courage, that raise up our vision, that, that allow us to be reminded again that while all sorts of things are going on in the world and there's all sorts of distractions and there's all sorts of crazy values going, going on in our society, God is the one who is, who is in control. God is the one who loves us and is, is present with us. And rely on him to bring you that courage. Rely on him to bring you that vision. And so as we finish this this morning, I trust that your hearts have been encouraged by these two incredible women that are part of God's redemptive plan.
and that you can see as they saw the great way in which God is present, God cares and God loves and God is powerful and that we can see beyond all that's happening in our own hearts and we can see his goodness and his presence. In the name of Jesus, amen.